I'm WFAE's David Borax, and this is R&D in the QC. Tarek Bakari and Larkin Eggleston, one Republican and one Democrat who bonded as first-term Charlotte City Council members. Somehow, they both got re-elected, and now we're stuck listening to another season of this amateur hour bullshit. In the first 82 episodes, they talked to a governor, a senator, presidential candidates, and even a journalist or two. Their goal again this season, bringing Charlotte listeners behind the scenes of the city council in one of America's fastest-growing cities. I won't be listening, but for some reason, you are. Welcome to episode 113 of R&D in the QC. Yes, this podcast does still exist. And yes, we have for several episodes now told you we would go back to doing weekly. We have instead continued to do monthly. And it's been about a month. So here we are, back in the building. Uh, Just finished a budget meeting and we're going to talk about the budget, which will be adopted next month, but is largely put to bed after today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the timeline for the comp plan that everyone has been discussing and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some good news on the economic development front. As far as an explanation for our lack of consistency with the podcast, I think it's safe to say we're all just pretty burnout right now. Do you not remember how to start the shows? I don't remember anything. And welcome to the show. That's right, folks. We're back. Episode 113. Been so long, Larkin doesn't remember that we start with a little soundbite, and then the music kicks in, and then we go. But I'm going to start with one promise. We're going to start doing this weekly, buddy. Do I have to say all the things I already said again? Or no, we... no. I'm just going to leave it as a super long intro before the music hits. Oh. Good job. Yeah, Maybe that's we... way too long for that. Let's do that. Let's do that for, for next week. Sometimes we would do those little clips after the show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on vacation next week, so week Where are you after. Going? Uh, Holden, nah, I don't want to say. You don't want people showing up, <laughs> but you already said Holden, so I'm going to assume Holden uh, Beach. Holden my beer for a second, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Um, so if you're looking for Councilmember Bakari and his oh, lovely family, oh, this is not good. If someone drives to Holden, they'd probably just find you at your home here. Well, that makes me. That'd be better. a lot easier. <laughs> At what address? That's cool. <laughs> well, Sharon. No. Um, um, Sharon's cool. a long road. They wouldn't find you. Oh, my God. Dude. Come <laughs> it's on. It's a public record. Oh, my God. So, terrible. You see someone driving up and down Sharon Road. Say something. You see someone, say, <laughs> say something. something. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. It's obviously a very pleasant time to be in public office. It's a horrible time. And there could be no greater timing for us to take a break. We typically take a break in August that's been adjusted this year, and we'll be taking our quote-unquote break. We still have a meeting, but we will only have one meeting in the month of July. And I don't think it could come at a better time. Well, this is always a really tough part of the year. This is always the worst part for the most part of council. Where Worst part for the most part. Worst part for the most part. Because, I mean, just the budget kind of brings out, well, the budget. The best in us. And then everyone else's kind of items they want to talk about. And actually, the budget hasn't been that contentious and partly because I think the manager did a good job with it, partly because we've been so consumed by the 2040 plan that there hadn't been a whole lot of bandwidth for working on much of anything else. Is that the strategy you think? It's possible. Um, so what's in that? Uh, so but first, before we get to budget, a couple exciting points. I don't remember the last Good news time. that we all agree on. We all, exactly. I, I, I'm going to mention it, even though I think... We already covered it. We had to have had a podcast by then. Robinhood, the great global phenomenon fintech company in Charlotte now, but also 
as of yesterday in podcast timing, um, we had the special announcement of Credit Karma choosing Charlotte as their East Coast headquarters. And Credit Karma is an amazing story. It's an amazing fintech unicorn. Um, I was going to ask. I was going to explain to you about fintech. It's financial technology. And it's a big thing here in Charlotte. It's about it's about uh, it's about creating robot sharks. You should ooh, you should get involved. I think fintech is an emerging industry. It in this seems city. to be hot, and I'm interested in it. I mean, if Credit Karma is choosing Charlotte, and again, the uh, analysts are expecting that there's going to be a 2.6 billion dollar economic impact to this region over the next 12 years. They're personally investing 13 million. They're creating 600 new jobs. What I love about the jobs, though, is um, you know, there are all kinds of different jobs in fintech, operations and back office and things like that. But the, the coveted jobs are the tech jobs, the engineering jobs, the developer jobs, particularly those that are building out the holistic platform of, of what the company is doing. That's what is real, they're bringing here. And that means it's not like one new division or department. Um, and they were acquired by Intuit uh, a while back as well. So they are, they're a really, really big fintech deal. And for us to have them here, I mean, that, that means that they're going to be building and trialing the next generation of, of financial services in our own backyard. I mean, that's that's the beauty of all this. Do they have a mascot? Yes, it's the um, it's the old the karma karma kangaroo. Yes. Are they hiring for that position? Uh, probably. We can talk to them. Is the suit air conditioned? Yeah, no, no, oh, I'm out. Their latest product, you know what this it's called? An air conditioned kangaroo costume. I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. It's called Instant Karma. I'm guessing it's an instant credit score app. See, you don't even know what they do. That's the one they thing. They don't do credit scores? Well, they do. Like, they have checking and savings accounts. They have this new Ooh, that's innovative. back <laughs> for a non-bank. Yes. Oh. Exactly. That's it. Savings accounts. We did it. Got a couple other big ones so on the So savings accounts are FinTech. Horizon. Well, yeah, dude. It's got Fin in it, doesn't it? And tech. And tech. What's the one on the That's horizon? It. You gonna tell you gonna break the news to our listeners? Nope. Give them a little inside scoop. Negative. Just I guess got. I'm trying to think of a company to guess. It, you, there's no chance your knowledge of this space would allow you to say the words of a company. <laughs> but I'll keep yeah. racking up. All I don't these even jobs. have like a funny guess. I'll keep racking up all these jobs, Larkin. Just doing my part. I assume that that this acquisition or this uh, announcement was was you entirely by yourself. Well, it's really, yeah. They all are. Yeah. No, man. There's a lot of people. Let's give a shout out to Tracy Dodson, Fran West, West, the whole all-star team. The entire all-star team who just crush, crush, crush every day. All they do is win. 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 No. Matter. What? How long? That's enough. I like Um, how you just fell right in line, though. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I knew where we were going. I just didn't want us to go too far. Got it. Um. All right. Next budget. Well, before we do the budget, nope. I think there's so many moving pieces right now on the 2040 comp plan that mm. I think it's going to make more sense for us to unpack it when it is like the budget is kind of as of today more put to bed. Whether that's when we adopt it, possibly June 21st or not, um, we'll adopt the budget June 14th. We'll go on our break in July and, and we can, but I think doing an episode either after we've adopted it or after we've pretty much settled on what we're adopting is going to make more sense. I think in between, I think once we've just about settled, we now. do it. And then we do one after that's like, okay, here's what we couldn't say the week before. 
Yeah. Um, and the budget, again, to be clear, is not finalized until we adopt it on June 14th. Well, hold on. You switched over to budget? Oh, that's oh, our sorry. whole comp plan discussion? Well, it doesn't have to be. Well, I, it doesn't. we don't need to talk about the details. It, hopefully, if you've read any piece if of news. If you care, you've read about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You should care, though, is the punchline, I think. You, you just heard the timeline. Between now and the end of June, there's going to be a, a couple more debates, all this kind of stuff. But if you're not ramped up on this and your voice hasn't been heard, it should. And you should. I think that's a big takeaway. And I think if I was going to say one call to action from my perspective on this, I I think it is a real travesty not to do, for us to not do another public hearing um, between now and the vote, given that we've got some drastic things that have fallen into place. And the last time we had a public hearing, no one knew exactly you know where we were gravitating. So I think that's one thing that you know I think a lot of people who just want this to be over and done uh, want to bypass. And I, I think that's the absolute wrong choice. And the citizens of Charlotte are the ones that lose in that. And, and we've talked about this before, but to reiterate, what we would be adopting on the 21st, potentially, is the, the vision plan. And it doesn't, in and of itself, codify anything or uh, is not legally binding, but it certainly does inform the next steps. Of it doesn't just inform. I think it this guides. Is a, well, it, it, do, and it doesn't just guide. It almost pre-authorizes, I think, in the way the, the planning director would be interpreting it and using it. He doesn't have to go back to us for certain things that have been codified in there. I'd agree with that to a degree. Um, agree to a degree? A, yes. Nice. Agree to agree. Um, anything else on that? I mean, I think, no, that's good. again, people ought to be paying attention regardless of which side of the issue you're on. It's very important. Um June 21st potential adoption. And as we get closer to what the final document is that we will be voting on, I think that's when you and I can unpack more of the details. We are pretty much at the final document we'll be adopting on June 14th for the budget. We just literally walked out of our final budget adjustment meeting. It was maybe the most efficient and effective meeting this council has had. I think we're all so exhausted. In 18 months. We're just done. I mean, I, I I have no fight left in me. Um, I doubt that. Yeah, it's true. But there was general agreement on on most things. Um, a couple of highlights on this year's budget. I mean, for one thing, if we'd have done, if we'd have tried to forecast eight months ago what this budget might look like, I think that we would have been fairly pessimistic about the financial footing that we would find ourselves on coming out of this pandemic. And so, kudos to the entire city staff really, but I mean, we have weathered the storm pretty well at the city of Charlotte and well, certainly CARES Act has helped. A, a booming economy leading up to all of this that again, we're going to still see impacts for years to come, but to the CARES Act money, I mean, that's just like, that's why it was so critical for us to not get addicted to it as revenue replacement because the cities that did that are the cities that they just kicked the can a year. Right. And, and as soon as that dries up, which it will. I mean, we are in the inflation, the, the, the pressures that our, our country is going to be under going forward. Like now's the time to batten down the hatches and, and put that rainy day money uh, into, into action. So we, we came out of this in a really pretty strong footing. And I know there are things in this budget that we disagree on, but I know one thing that the entirety of the council is excited about is that for, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the third year in a row, yeah. There is not a property tax rate increase in this budget. And I think 
there are, in fact, I, I talked to a friend of ours who's a city manager in another city in North Carolina who was doing a budget presentation last night to their council um, and talking about a 3% property tax rate increase. Uh, I think for us to be able, we our ability to achieve the things that we, we set out to achieve as a group uh, for the benefit of our city and to do so without having to put that burden on folks, particularly folks who are coming out of a really tough year financially for, for most everybody is something that regardless of the things we disagree on, I think we can all be. By the way, you just reminded me of something over the weekend. I talked to another North Carolina city's planning director and that planning director said, what is your planning director doing? So I just totally forgot about that until now. That was a great piece of feedback from an expert. I digress. Continue. (laughs) You do digress. Um, all right, so budget highlights, no property tax increase. Beautiful. Uh, maintaining our service level, no reduction in core services. Uh, maintains our capital project uh, Unless timeline. you consider uh, paper bags for your leaves a uh, uh, degradation of service. Yes, you are correct. Um, we're still picking up your leaves is the point. Mm-hmm. Unless um, it rains. <laughs> well, then we're picking them up just off the street. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, soupy mess. Individually. Yeah, perfect. I'm going to light one of those bags on fire. You'll have to stomp it out. I'm going to put poop in it. That's a weird flex. I, I, Especially in, your, in front of your own house. Right as I was halfway through saying it, I was like, this isn't going to make any sense. <laughs> and then your house burns down. <laughs> um, we had no layoffs. We did freeze some openings and eliminate some open positions at the city. But throughout this pandemic, uh, no current member of our team had to be laid off or furloughed. Probably should have done one or two. <laughs> um, for our employees, I think we continue to, to do a good job of being an employer of choice, reducing health care premiums. Reducing healthcare deductibles. Um, you, I know, are excited about the fact that we are continuing to get our our, our the pay of our first responders or public safety officers, both police and fire, still to where work, it needs still to be. Still work to do, but I mean, the last three years or more of of just kind of like saying, "All right, well, we're going to keep biting off the pieces of it and moving forward." Um, that makes a dent. Uh, reducing, once again, the city's minimum wage that we pay any of our workers, increasing the city's contribution to the firefighters' retirement system, continuing to offer the transit pass for all employees. I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff in here about what we're doing for our employees. We're waiting for our legislation, I think, to enable that firefighters' money. I think there's a piece of legislation required for that, too. So we've done our piece, but we need some some help there. Yep. $14 million investment in our quarters of opportunity, which y'all have been really, in, you've been involved in on the, on the Economic Development Committee. Um, more money into sustainability, an entirely new strategy. And this has been the one controversial piece. Uh, the strategy, I guess, has been the controversial piece around how we fund arts in our community. But what there has been some universe, fairly universal agreement on is the good part of this, regardless of whether you like a change in strategy or not, there are more dollars going to the arts now. Exactly. The city is, is contributing more. You think we but, were doing something terrible. But, well, I mean, and I think... We just innovated we, we do outside this, of the we box. We do this, too. We oftentimes might agree on the goal and disagree on the, the process or the, the way to get there. But what can't be argued is that there is a, a partnership that's been created between, and will be, I guess, formalized when we adopt the budget on the 14th, but has been generally agreed on by council now, 
that brings how many dollars from the private sector per year for three years? Six, six million per year for three years? So it's $18 million of private sector money to match of which for the first money. year I got an update I think yesterday or today 70 80 or 80 percent of the goal of the goal I mean that's that's insane and you know why because people have been waiting for decades for us to rip off the band-aid of the failed ASC model and figure out something new because the ASC while starting as a, as a good approach failed either without the will or the ability to change the model for the changing times and now here here we are so we but to be had clear to this is this. not the end of the ASC it's their choice just like it's been their choice we are, to change their model for decades we it's are not but, us ending them we right? are but one funder of theirs we are actually in this budget still providing funding to the ASC they have nearly 40 million dollars of assets in their balance sheet nobody is saying the poor ASC sitting there is the victim here. They just need to spend a fraction of the effort on attacking our approach to actually also be good stewards of our dollar towards what they need to adjust in their own model. And if they do that, they will succeed, they will change, and they will become a strong organization again. I think part of, maybe not, maybe a majority of the anxiety that's been created around this one piece of our budget has been there is somehow a perception that that we are dissolving the ASC and we're not at all. I think they will continue to play a role in the arts community. And and frankly, I think they'll continue to play an important role. I think they do a good job of engaging individual artists, small organizations. They will still receive funding from us in this budget. They could potentially um like any think organization. They do that great of a job at that. I mean I have spoken to enough people in the community who have worked they made with some them attempts in, that role that, in the last year or do. two. They made some attempts in the last year or two, but the, the I mean, well, we're not going to agree on that part. But, well, let me but, let, agree but, on but this. But they're not going away. Everyone that is going to be funded, if we had given it to them as a pass through this year, still going to be funded. Plus, we have all this extra money to then go and invest in small artists, smaller groups, things of that nature. So, like, what? What? I don't understand. The 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 only thing is, it's the in an organization who has refused to accept reality in the death throes of them still refusing to accept reality and take accountability into their own hands. But to your point, they have a, a good deal of of assets. They have yeah they other funding streams. They are getting money from us this year, and um, they can get money from us beyond this year because what we've said is change their ways for that though. What we've said is that there will be. Uh, we have guaranteed the funding for all these organizations for this year's budget. Nothing is guaranteed beyond that because we're trying to build a new strategy. And so we're, we're sort of maintaining the way things are this year, but then going forward, they would certainly be eligible to tap into this pool of dollars the same way that the Gantt center would, the same way that the symphony would, or the same way that um, jazz arts initiative or, or a smaller group would. So yep. it's just not theirs by right anymore. They have to actually figure out a strategy, just like every other arts organization in this town has to. So, despite Tarek's tone, this is not this strategy. Well, my tone has been pushed to this I point. I agree. This group has has been nothing but a combative to us for months. But the strategy is not inherently antagonistic against the arts and science. Council. It is not it in is, the way that theirs has been against what's, what's us. The oppo- what's in this the opposite process. of antagonistic? Protagonistic. Protagonistic. I'm not sure it's a word, but we're going to use it. It is absolutely. A the word. strategy is protagonistic You're to the, the arts community. Of this story, it is pro arts. It is ba- it is bringing exactly more money right. to the table. 
for the art. Despite the AAC trying to create the narrative that is anti-art. <laughs> it's hard to... It's, it, it, I'm sure I'm people bring are, it back to that I'm every su- time, I'm dude. sure people are surprised to know that you and the AAC are at odds on this based on how I used to calm you are talking about I used to it. raise money for them like crazy. Um, and by get raise money like crazy, you mean like $5 out of your, your bi-weekly paycheck was... No, I was coordinating those old freaking, like for my department, those old uh, fun drives back at Wachovia days, man. Strong arming people. That's what we had to do. Look, look, rookie. Yeah. This is what we did. So let's close Uh, off the budget. Last two parts. Uh, The reasons I Funding the completion of the Cross Trout Trail. uh, East to West. The first Cross Trout (laughs) Trail. Um, Cross Trout Trail 2.0 coming to a century near you. Uh, oh, and additional funding for uh, sidewalk pedestrian safety, cyclist safety, Vision Zero. So a lot of in, a lot of investment in infrastructure where it's, it's much needed. So there's a lot of good stuff in this budget. Now I'll talk about the thing you don't want. There's two reasons that I am not going to vote for this budget, and one is you like um, to be contrarian. No, I don't. It's not. It's painful, dude. Being out there, that's like being a nail that's sticking up. You're just getting hammered. It's not fun, dude. Tetanus dark. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so uh, one is I believe that despite a great organization that Road to Hire is, um, the manager has done something wrong in this process, something that we... Many of our listeners might not know what Road to Hire is. It's a program... Um, much like the program I and several others run from our nonprofit side that help folks achieve upward mobility um, through technology training and ultimately getting a job. And that also goes down into high schools and things of that nature. So we all have programs there. And I think Road to Hire is a great, great program. I think, though, that what we learned from the disaster last year of political infighting and weaponization and all that stuff is we need to be over the top above board on how we do these processes. And lo and behold, the city manager came forward with kind of, here's the deal. We're going to give almost a million bucks to this organization that I'm friends with. And ultimately, um, you know, there was no RFP. These themes should sound familiar to anyone who uh, watched the greatest hits of last year. Um, The economic development department had no engagement in structuring this out which is critically important because they're rolling out the uh, st- the comprehensive strategic employment plan, of which this would be a huge part. So why not tie it all together into a cohesive strategy? Um, and you know the outcomes. I'm not sure when I look at some of these figures. You know, 37% of the money going to overhead of our money, city money, strikes me as you know maybe that's not the best approach if we were to reconfigure all of this. So at the end of the day. I'm not comfortable. Again, I want to make crystal clear. This is not me critiquing the Road to Hire program, which is a great program, and we're lucky to have that in South Carolina. But I'm talking about the fact that we've got to have the right processes in place to make sure we do things above board and don't kind of get into self-dealing situations and things like that. On that one, you it might have perked people's ears, like you said, to have in South Carolina. It's, the, it's located in Indian Land, South Carolina, but does it serve the greater charlotte area yeah, this program okay. serves the, the 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 cms and things like that okay. so absolutely but also presumably in york county south carolina yeah okay. i mean when they're yeah when i don't know about that for sure yeah i, I would assume so i'd hope so but it's it's 
part of Red Ventures, which is headquartered in Indian Land, South And that's, Carolina. I mean, yeah. they're paying their taxes to South Carolina. Right. Right? So... There's a point Mr. Driggs made, uh, Councilmember Driggs made. It was a good week. point. I hadn't even thought of it. I hadn't either. So then, and the other thing is getting raises to council members and the mayor. I mean, it's, it's something that is just wrong at any time, in my opinion, because I'm a firm believer that we should be... We should be doing this as a sacrifice and and folks, you know, have to come in here that have the ability to do so regardless of age or any other factor like that because they've they are the best of us. They've had the successes in the private sector to bring the experience here. And when you make the salary of this competitive with other entry and mid-level jobs, people start saying, well, I could make more if I went and did this and it becomes a career. So it's wrong all the time to me, but it's extra wrong now. The timing is bad. And for those two reasons, they're enough for me to vote against the budget, unfortunately. So on the salary piece, I think, and if you look at Congress, members, I'm using this as an example because people stay there for so long mm-hmm. um, in both parties. And many of the people who stay there for so long are, were already very affluent people. Um, they're making like 150000 I think, something like that. It's not... An obscene amount of money considering the job, but it's an obscene amount of money for that. I mean, to be in DC that often away from home, especially the people that have to travel. I don't the country want and, people to want to do it. I want people to feel obligated to do that. But the the question, I guess, then is: I mean, you say people who've been successful in the private sector, and and I don't mean to say we should be pursuing unsuccessful people, but to that's a, to, but to say that people only people who have have made a lot of money. And I, you didn't say it that way, but I think it sounded much like people who've made a lot of money and can afford to do it because you absolutely are not doing yourself a, even with the new salary we're talking about, you're not doing yourself a financial favor to come and do this job. If we are going to have a variety of perspectives represented that represent the variety of perspectives in our community, it can't just be people who are C-suite corporate folks. So I, so use me as a case study, right? I Just because I have made it in the private sector enough where I can do this now, I, it's not you like I, I, come up, I came up more poor than anyone on this council, guaranteed. I can already tell you that without even having to see it. So do I not bring the perspective that you're looking for? Yet I've made it and I had my successes that enabled me to do it. Would you rather take an, an alternative version of me who didn't have private sector success, but I saw this salary and I said, I'll come and do it. I don't want I, that not, version of Tark to serve. I'm not, That's not the best of us. I'm not devaluing your perspective or the value you But you're, you're, you're arguing the point of we need to have it so all perspectives can be a part of it. All perspectives don't have to be the sitting in that perspective today. They can have gone through it That's and achieved absolutely past true. it. That's absolutely true. But I, I think that having a, me- a member of council who currently is more in a gig economy, having a member of council who is involved in the hospitality industry, which employs one in nine people in our community. And I think having that variety, I've never been a... But you think someone who's making minimum wage in those two areas is the kind of person we want serving us in office? Or you want someone who's in those areas that then has maybe had to work minimum wage, then had success, 
figured out how to be entrepreneurial, innovative, worked hard, and now brings that perspective. Because that's the big difference. I mean, I worked minimum wage hospitality jobs, but I worked them when I still lived at home. So I can't say that I've ever had to live on minimum wage. I have earned minimum wage. So you that's my point. You have that perspective. But not the from perspective back of the trying day. to live on minimum wage. And the, and the effed up part is that when I was making minimum wage back then, it was about the same, and that was, what, 20 years ago, as the minimum wage is today. But I've never had to try to live off of it. So I do think that could be a valuable perspective. And I so the point is, I do. So I have that. <laughs> you've lived off minimum wage? I've lived off far less than that. As a child? As a teenager, in college, directly after college until I then got on my feet. Like, I mean, and that's again, the I'm point. Not, this isn't about this you, is, uh, but, I'm, but, but I'm saying but that. I'm a great case study for this, which is people that argue, oh, we need to have a big salary so that everyone, we have this everyone. This is not a big salary. It shouldn't be large. If you raise this to forty or fifty thousand dollars, all of a sudden that becomes a viable choice for someone who's making thirty or forty thousand dollars as a career choice. And I don't want someone who hasn't but if had they the success don't have, in the private sector. But they don't yet. just get to decide they're going to be a council member and then get to be a council member. Oh, the, really? Sometimes well, they do. <laughs> I'm not saying that that the best person always gets elected, but the fact of the matter is that voters have the the chance to say, what does this person offer? What do they bring to the table? And why should I vote for them? And generally, I think voters would look and say, well, if someone, maybe they look at, some voters might look at somebody and say, well, they've been successful and I think that's valuable on council. And others might say, here's a single mom that's trying to raise a family off of a job that doesn't pay her commiserate with the work she's doing. And I think that's a valuable perspective. Well, wait, they get to wait. decide what they think is the valuable perspective and they don't have to send somebody but there who they think the, is doing that's it my just point. for a better But paycheck. that's my point. Are we making this a job for upward mobility or are we making this a job that, that values all those perspectives but unifies it with one thing, which is people who persevered and made it through, learned something, was successful and brings those learnings here. Because I think the, the latter is what folks that I uh, um, strategize and are on my side of the aisle think about this. And then on the other side, sometimes it's just like, I want someone who's a single mother that works at McDonald's right now because that's the perspective. I don't want that now. I want that that person who did that and then figured out how to persevere because they're going to put a roadmap out for everyone who's in that circumstance now. I'm, I am a, simply okay with saying that by making this something that pays a wage that could be lived off of, Although it is still not a, I mean, we're talking, yeah, but like you said, like forty, fifty thousand dollars. I'm, I'm okay with saying that the voters can continue to be the arbiters of who deserves this job and who's doing it for the right reasons, who's not, who's qualified, who's not, whose perspective will add to the conversations that we have here, the decisions that we make, and, and who's won't. So, I'm not saying that it is without cons. I am saying I think the pros outweigh the cons for people to have it as an option of something they could consider doing if they feel they bring something unique to the table and voters need to decide whether or not they should be on council. I think on a case-by-case basis, you, you you could be right in some exceptions, but I think the, the by and large rule would be I would rather stack the deck against the scenario where this is viewed by someone who hasn't yet achieved what they need to in the private sector as a career step up. The other part of why this seems, first of all, when it's reported about the percentage increases, it makes it seem even more significant of raise than it is because it was so low to begin with. The other reason that it is such a big jump is because no one has wanted to swallow the political pill and do it before because it's always unpopular. Would you be in favor of, and I would, 
tying this to more of like a inflation cost of living nope. and have it just be a small incremental but annual change than having 10, 15, 20 years from now nope. another council have to do what we're doing. No. Why? I would I would rather I would rather if I had a magic wand make this pay nothing. Well then you really limit who can do it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I would agree to disagree. No, I mean what what's the difference between 19 grand a year and zero? Nineteen grand. Well, yeah, I was, I was saying, <laughs> it's a math question. It's a trick question. No, I mean, so, it, anyone who is like, I can live on nineteen grand a year. Like, that's why it's okay right now because, like, if you're making fifteen grand a year, like, this is probably not in your consideration of like the nineteen. But, but, but if it okay, goes up to forty, if we even accept your premise of it needs to be someone who has been quote unquote successful in the business world, what if you've got a thirty-five year old person who maybe grew up like you grew up and, and has overcome challenges and they are in their not yet prime earning years, but they're climbing the ladder at lending tree. How can that person, that person's job very well might not allow for them to serve on council. You, you run an organization, you have a lot of control over your schedule. I'm in sales. So I have a lot of control over my schedule. For that person who, first of all, if they're on that trajectory and I'm basically on that trajectory, like I can't retire for life at this point, but I could take four or five years off in the prime of my money-making time at my own cost. I mean, at my absolute own detriment, the amount of money I was making and then would have been making now if I'd stayed on that track would have eclipsed all of this. However, it there were things about me wanting to, to not travel so much because I had kids and things about me wanting to give back in the prime of my career that I said, you know what? That's fine. I don't mind living in, a, in an environment for four or five or six years that I am now eating into my savings to do this. You have to at least be in that position. And the difference between 19 grand or 40 grand like, doesn't make a difference. And 100 grand for the couple scenarios that we'll find like that, we'll have dozens of the, of the exact wrong ones for Who's it. Who's paying 100 grand? Well, you were saying 150 grand for Congress. Is, oh, well, Congress. I mean... I don't want someone in Congress I'm not, I'm not that needs 150 yeah. grand to be there. Is my point. But I don't think someone should have a challenge paying their rent or their mortgage or putting food on the table at home. And I'm not saying you need 150 grand to do it. That person shouldn't be considering running for office yet. They still have things to learn in their own story, like I did, that will then, if they can do it, benefit hundreds and thousands of others by their perspective being involved in the policy making. There's... Pros and cons, undoubtedly. Um, I imagine. I don't see any pros. Well, I know. I know you do. You've made a heartfelt case. I'm just saying, mine is a. And here's you can the call thing. it cold-hearted and callous, or you can call it like pragmatic. And I want all those perspectives, but I want the best of us who have achieved and overcome them, not the people currently going through them. That that if you if you haven't figured out how to solve that yet, you need more time. To, to grow your own perspective that then can be very valuable to the policymaking. And here's a whole other can of worms that I know you, and I don't even know where 100% where I stand on this, but I know where you do. The, you have people like me too who, if if I had the opportunity for a couple of years to say, this is what I'm going to focus all my attention on, I'd like to do that. Even with this pay increase we're talking about, it doesn't get me to the point where I can just do this. So it does eat into the amount of time that a council member is able to dedicate to the job. And as you well know, and I think you will agree with this, 
the public's expectation is that we treat this as a full-time job, but that we don't get paid for it as a full-time job. So you are always on call. You're always expected to be on. So I, I do think that there are people too who would say, yeah, I can do this in another job like I'm doing, like you're doing, like Braxton's doing and others. But do you want people to be able to put all of their focus and attention on it, particularly in the 15th biggest city of the country? I'm not saying that, that you know, Statesville Town Council needs to be full time. I mean, although that's a growing city, but it's not the 15th largest city in the country. But maybe the top 25 cities in the country ought to be because no. we're making decisions that impact a million people. I, I, I feel very firmly that that is a, another recipe for disaster because it creates careerists. Well, and I'd be fine with tacking term limits on it at some point to there, too. But, but, e- but Even so, that's why you have a strong manager. That's why you have a dedicated city staff. I think the actual solution to what you're talking about, and I feel very strongly in this, it, you're right. The stuff we have to do and our expectations are completely out of whack. And you want to know why? Because I would say over 80% of the stuff that I'm involved in and do every day in your analogy that's so good of a emergency room doctor versus, you know, a specialty surgeon, which is that's a district rep versus at large. Eight, over 80 percent of the things that come across my desk and things I have to do shouldn't have ever made it to me. So it's a system overhaul that's necessary of is why did take like, your email address off the city website? Well, no, no, it's more like no. I, and it's a system of of the staff in some things that are broken. Like if I told you and I know this will resonate with you, how many things hit your plate that their this constituent says I've tried I've talked to this person and this person and they couldn't do it and I say okay let me look into it and you make one call and you call them back and say yeah it's done and all you did in that call was hey could could you solve this and then they freaking magically solve it somehow 80% now the 20% is very complicated and hard and the things that are there but imagine if we only had to focus on the 20% and we've actually fixed the 80% or 70% of the 80% right like that's the flaw. Let's not try to solve it by dumping more money and more careerist elements onto it. Let's solve the actual flaw, which is if I can call you and ask you to solve something and you're a staff member and you do it for me, you should be able to do it for the dude who just is a regular taxpayer. There's a lot of there's a lot of minutiae. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's it. We did it. So um, I guess it's possible that well, I guess you think I don't know whether Ed will vote against this, this budget based on the raises. He was the other one who who voiced the yeah. main objection. To unknown, the, unknown if he would um, or not. I think the only thing that might drive him to it is the um, pay increases. Um, but oh yeah, that that would be my assumption. Would would be the reason he'd consider voting against it. But regardless, there's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, I think it it will safely pass with eight or nine or ten votes. Okay, um, definitely. And again, take uh, take some joy and. A third year with no property tax rate increases, that's a win for everybody, especially coming off of a difficult year. Indeed. So. Indeed. Shout out to Ryan, Kelly, everyone in budget, everyone in finance, and awesome then all job. the departments. Like This is a brutal time of year for them because they're, it's not just like a normal private sector company where you got to do it and you go through the different traps and it happens and they compile it and it gets approved. Because <laughs> then you got to deal with us. Then, then we sit atop <laughs> and publicly <nitpick> broadcast. <laughs> Uh, with la- little to no understanding of what each department does. <laughs> and we tell them what they did We're wrong. Like, Wait a minute, this $5,000 line item, walk me through it. Uh, $2.7 billion budget this year, and they did a great job. We spent more time and, talking and about $10,000 line yeah. items. And thank goodness that um, 
that they did make it easy on us this year with only a few things for us to really unpack because we didn't have the bandwidth to invest much more time in either thank goodness or they got away with it congratulations (laughs) either way they're smarter than we are all right we did it so no episode next week let's make a commitment to each other week after it's as good as all the other commitments we've made so sure um so yeah so we will be our next council meeting is on monday june 7th in theory it shouldn't be a late night, so maybe we can do one of our uh, old school Monday night post game interviews. Yes, I think we should. And by then, we might even need a quick emergency one because by then, we're going to hopefully know what the Something process about the is election. around the elections. Exactly. Still uncertain, um, but yeah, it seems that we might be coming to re- some resolution. So maybe two weeks from now we'll know and we'll tell you then. But in the meantime, like, share, do whatever you can do. Rate the podcast. We have fallen from five-star average to a 4.9-star average, and it really hurts our feelings. So if you can jump on there and give us five stars, get us back up to that That's 5.0 me. average. Don't worry. Don't take that personally. This time of year, I alienate some people, and, and we get the backlash on the pod for it. So... Well, and maybe people are just mad that we've we've been so inconsistent. But we'll maybe we'll, they'll maybe they'll we'll get some new fans from my elitist approach to uh, to uh, service. or we'll get some more one star ratings <laughs> yeah, one exactly. way or the other. Bingo. We appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.